Did you know podcasts reach millions of people every month? Podcast advertising is a great way to reach new customers. In fact, you'll be speaking directly to them. Visit audiometric.io now to find out more. Ends a quandary because Scott even says, I built you. So right. that ends the whole question of who actually built or really like maintains him. It's almost like he had an inside man in the lab and how he got his information there. Right. So either that or he uh, beat it out of some poor technician. <laughs> That's probably the case. I love the animation. Uh, I'm loving the camera angles that they're playing with. It's a very compelling story right now. Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle code name 6000. 80s guru skills critical. Wyatt Blue, broadcast technician, DJ, airman, mask movie co writer, vehicle code name Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome, faithful listeners and fellow fans, to MassCast 43 and another episode review of the Mobile Armored Strike Command animated series. We appreciate you joining us for our first podcast in 2015 as we celebrate Mask's 30th anniversary this year. Our fourth season of MassCast will cover episodes 31 through 40, and we will begin with reviewing episode 31 tonight, entitled Deadly Blue Slime. Coming up will be our usual play-by-play commentary, our personal ratings using our 1-to-5 scale, and of course your feedback via our agentsofmask.com website. Just a reminder that we invite our listeners to interact with us prior to each podcast by participating in the MaskCast assignment in the right-hand column on our homepage, which includes our poll and a comment section to leave your own review. Deadly Blue Slime originally aired on November 11th, 1985 in the U.S. and featured Mask traveling to Africa to stop a botched experiment which has created a deadly blue slime, consuming everything in its path. Venom learns of the slime and seeks to control it in order to take the world hostage. My name is Jason, and before we begin, allow me to introduce my co-host and longtime friend, the brainy Smurf to my jokey Smurf. What? Are you feeling Smurfy today? I am feeling Smurfy. Or however they call it. I'm Smurfing Smurfing. <laughs> I'm Smurfing Smurfing Smurfing. Yeah, Smurf could be used for just about any adjective in the book. Well, there's a few uh, modern-day lingos that are like that, too, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, uh, I loved the Smurfs as a kid, and uh, did you have a favorite one? No, I really didn't have a favorite. I, I remember watching it. I liked Papa Smurf, I guess, but out of all of them, I really, I think 
Grumpy Smurf was kind of humorous at times, if I rem- remember. But yes, I besides uh, Papa Smurf and the female, and the rest of them all are blue and white. I mean, that's about all I got. <laughs> and there's Gargamel and and uh, oh, what was his cat? Azriel. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I liked uh, I liked Jokey. He was the one with the present that you know would always blow up in people's faces. He was fun, and yeah, yeah. I think it was Grouchy was the uh, was the other one that was always I hate whatever. Right. I hate Masscast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hate Masscast. Come on. He, he would be saying about now, but yeah, I I, uh, I remember having the Smurf sheets on my bed. Uh, I had a Smurf alarm clock that was just like it looked like a they were sawing a log, and it woke up to this god awful. <laughs> Hello, this is the Smurfs, and wake up today, and <laughs> and I'm it sure was you woke crazy. up for that. <laughs> yes, and I'm sure my parents wanted to throw it out the window when they heard that after a couple times. But I remember, uh, I remember Smurf vitamins and I remember Smurf that. pasta. Don't I remember Smurf pasta. Don't remember that. Oh man, it was they were pretty much everywhere and you know, Saturday mornings they dominated Saturday mornings for at least six or seven years. I think yeah. it started in eighty two or eighty one and pretty much, you know, they lasted throughout the decade. So it was uh I just heard a uh, news story today that they're going to be doing a new uh, fully animated movie in twenty sixteen. So, you know, if you I don't know if you've watched the uh, the last couple that kind of mixes live action and then no, I haven't. I've been wanting to, but I haven't got around to seeing it. They're eh, you're not missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't really impressed. Um, it was fun, and you know, it's, obviously it's the Smurf, so it's nostalgia in my head. But I'm actually looking more forward to you know a fully animated movie. Uh, next year, and uh, they tagged uh, Mandy, uh, I can never pronounce his last name, Packetin or something like that, um, he was in the movie The Princess Bride, and he's on that show, uh, um, Criminal Minds? Criminal Minds, uh, yes. yes, he's tapped to play Papa Smurf, so, that could be I interesting, read that, uh, <laughs> read that story today, is he so. gonna be, is he gonna be six-fingered, and come up with that <laughs> I am going to kill you now, or whatever it is. My name is Inhiro Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Yeah, that line. <laughs> That's the one. It's been a while since I've watched it. <laughs> I'm sort of surprised you yeah. remember it. <laughs> it's ingrained in my head. As is a lot of things <laughs> from the 80s. But uh, anyway, so uh, let's, uh, I guess, get past the Smurfs and feeling Smurfy. And uh, shall we move forward into... Uh, our next segment. Yes, let's smurf it. I mean, let's uh, mass cast it on. <laughs> well, since season three of mass cast, and actually I'm calling each little ten episode section here, we're reviewing a season, this being our fourth season. But since the last one, which we started on episode 20, we've adapted this little segment called What's Happening in the Mass Community? And I, I don't know. I feel like it's time for a change in the name of that. So from now on, we're going to be calling this little segment about recent mask news. We're going to call it, Get Your Mask On! Get Your Mask On! I like it. 
So we're going to get our mask on, you know, kind of like get your groove on or get your swerve on, as I used to say in the 90s. Um, <laughs> if you did, so. I missed that one. Long time <laughs> friend, I never knew you said that kind of word right there. <laughs> swerve. <laughs> oh, I thought you knew pretty much everything about me, but I don't know. Not that that, was that must have been a, a, that must have been a college thing. Of it could have been. It could have been. So anyway, so we're going to get our mask on and um, some breaking news. Actually, I just read courtesy our friends over at RetroCon that Doug Stone is going to make his first convention appearance, pretty much ever. In 2015 at RetroCon in Philadelphia, which is uh, slated for September 12th and 13th. So that will be fun. Uh, all you Mask fans need to head towards Philadelphia in September. And um, he's going to be doing some free signing sessions, is what I read. I'm not sure which day or if he'll be there both days. But that will be uh, fun to get out and actually meet Doug. And you're Kind of nearby there. Maybe we can get you up there, Wyatt. Yeah, I, I'm uh, in the ballpark of about an hour and a half or so away. So I'm uh, I'm going to have to look this up and uh, schedule leave and uh, tell the wife uh, I'm having. I need a kitchen pass or whatever they call it now to go <laughs> go hang out. That'd be aw- really awesome to see him and get a chance to chat with him. I don't know, probably just for a few seconds, just like any other. Uh, any other celeb, but uh, it'll be yeah. to be able to say, hey, you know, may, even for him to put a you know a face to the name, since we talked with him here not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, that would be fun. I'm gonna have to send you some stuff to get him to sign or something. Now, uh, now this isn't like a shopping cart list. You know? <laughs> oh come on, man! I got that wonderful uh, Spectrum poster, courtesy Paul Pamphalone, that's just dying for a signature. It so. is, I know. Uh, I might have to roll it up and uh, mail it to you and have you uh, take it up there and, and we'll get it We'll have to do that. The other thing I was just toying with, uh, I, I've been in contact off and on with uh, AKA Junk, our buddies over there, when we went uh, and went oh, yes. 80s, 80s Joy uh, Remembering or whatever you call it there. Mm-hmm. I've been in contact with him. I have no idea if he's building it or not, so please don't, uh, fans, don't, don't believe that, that anything's going on. But You're trying to get the build a Thunderhawk, aren't you? I asked him. I said, I'd have liked to. I, I was very upfront <laughs> with him. I said, Jason and I don't have the finances to go funding for a Camaro, let alone a Thunderhawk, but this is what we would like to do sometime in the future whenever funds are available. And yeah. I sent him pictures, and he said, very interesting. So I don't know if that's one of his... <laughs> projects if you're listening or if you will listen you know i could take that up there maybe he'd sign the car <laughs> take it for a little put him inside the car and take a couple of pictures that'd be awesome yeah now what we need is that dude that uh that does the uh cosplay stuff see if we can mm-hmm. get his mask and, and suit <laughs> well he, i think he's actually over in uh might be holland i know he's over in europe somewhere so I'll have to mail it to us. <laughs> Me, my luck would be like yeah. smaller, too hot, tall for for Doug, the AKA Junk guy. And you can find that page on uh, Facebook, AKA Junk, one word. We went up and got to meet Kit and a ton of other awesome vehicles. The Batmobile from the 1989 movie, and uh, I see he's building right now. He's building a um, 
Mach 5 from Speed Racer. Yeah. And I think he's finally going for the uh, the A-Team van as well. So this guy is awesome. He just he builds like drivable, you know, replicas that they're not necessarily you know screen accurate, but they're Staying close. You know, <laughs> they're close enough, you know, for uh, you know functional vehicle. You don't have to tow them around or anything, you know. Right, and I remember, uh, if I may interject, I remember one of the stories that he was telling about is. Uh, the Batmobile, the 89 Batmobile that he has, it has the ones with the pop-up machine guns. It has yeah. uh, uh, a combination of propane and oxygen to make the actual bang, 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 the actual gunshots for it. It's drivable, completely drivable. He can go wherever he wants with it. He did mention that he chooses not to drive it on the highway very often because people just, ooh, the Batmobile! <laughs> yeah. so for him to actually safely drive it is a nightmare. Right. But he did any of those vehicles, right? Well, he mentioned that he went to a, a similar Comic Con or something at one point, and it was him and a bunch of other people that were invited with Batmobiles or replica Batmobiles, and one of them made uh, a Tumblr Batmobile, and I thought it was hilarious because he's sitting there saying, "I can drive mine in, no problem, park it and be done." Here they had to physically get like ten or twenty guys to do the heave ho and shove the car, the tumbler, into the right spot. So I found that, yeah. you know, he makes very movable, uh, drivable stuff. Even even the Mater truck, that was something that we got to see. He has a replica Mater. Yeah. He says, it does drive. But he did joke, he did, he did say, it is a piece of junk. But it <laughs> will get on the trailer and back off. So, uh, well, we have... Uh... <laughs> We've gone down a bunny trail on that, but yeah, I at one point he put out on the Facebook page, "What should we do next?" And I was like, uh, "Thunderhawk, hello, Thunderhawk." Um, I think I might even posted the picture up there. <laughs> you did? Well, I I said a piece, but, uh, like cartoons and I think a toy to kind. Of, mm-hmm. I think because of the pinstriping, I sent him yeah. three or four photos of it. I said, "This is what it's supposed to do." It's you know the jet mode and all. So, uh, who knows? That maybe he's quietly cool. working on something for us, or maybe he just finds it very interesting, and that's something down the road when he can't scavenge for yeah. other charger for a General Lee or, or what other project he has right now. I think he's trying to make another Scooby van, too. Scooby. Mo- oh, really? Yeah. And I know he's he finished his General Lee, so yeah. he's always working on something and moving, selling stuff and... He's so working Batmobile on too. I remember seeing yeah, I think so. close there. That and the Mater, and he had a uh, the Land Speeder from Star Wars, and uh, it was actually a boat. I think he said, mm-hmm. and um, he sold that as well. So he's he's always moving inventory. It seems like, which is which is cool. I guess in that business, you don't want to. I mean, I would want to sit on some of those cars and not sell them at all, but. When you uh, build them, you want to get on to the next project. And he so. can build. He even said he built something like, what, uh, 10 General Lees or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, so. he's, he's done a lot. So that'll be fun if we can – we'll we'll keep a, an, an ear to the ground on that and see if he can – see if he's working on a Thunderhawk. That would be great. Um, all right. Well, moving on in the, uh, in the news um, – how about a live-action mask fan film? Um, most of our long-term listeners and followers know that we began our online presence as Mask the Movie, and we changed our name last year to Agents of Mask. 
well, we still have a heart for adapting Mask into a live-action film, but we're not the only ones. Uh, a filmmaker in uh, Southeast Asia who also studied film and uh, trained here in the U.S. Uh, reached out to us about a fan film project that he's currently working on. His name is Dave Gavant, and uh, he told us that he's actually wrapped uh, the primary filming and is now in post-production of the film that he hopes to be out by the end of 2016. Um, I posted some photos that he passed along up there on the blog and also some of his background information, so please check that out. We've got some great hits over the last uh, couple weeks. The story is actually the second most popular story ever uh, on our site, just in a few, about a week, I think it was. So we appreciate everybody coming over there, and if you haven't yet, go check it out. He's got a picture of uh, his concept of Condor on there, and there's also a few shots at the concert. If you look real closely at the uh, the musicians, you can see which one is Brad Turner, because his watch is kind of lighting up. So he's uh, pretty much, I'm, I've gone back and forth with him a couple times, and he's a lot of those elements that are basically straight out of the cartoon he's tried to put in the film and he's also made some updates I mean he says it's essentially set in modern times so it's not like set in the 80s or anything but he does use a uh, 80s Camaro for Thunderhawk so uh, that'll be interesting once that comes out next year right. and to see that all in motion also since our last podcast I uh, stumbled onto an idea that I put up on the blog. Um, if you're a mass collector and happen to have that 1987-88 calendar insert that came with the vehicle sets, you can actually use it this year and next year. So if you want to break that out and hang it up on your wall and help, you know, celebrate the 30th anniversary this year, that would be a fun way to do it. And you can put it up in your office or <laughs> let everybody else uh, see that. Uh, you're a mask fan, and uh, using that old calendar will probably bring back some memories, too. Oh, yeah. And then uh, one other thing I wanted to mention that we're doing is uh, just yesterday I posted up our first crowdfunded T-shirt design that I call Thunderhawk Ho. <laughs> um, what I did was I took the uh, the Thundercats logo and put Thunderhawk instead in there, and then in the little red circle, you know, where the cat uh, logo is, I, I put a shadow of, uh, of Thunderhawk in there to do a little parody shirt. And I, the previous week, uh, y'all might have seen the mashup with uh, the mask logo on Optimus Prime. That was really cool. And I thought about that uh, idea, and I kind of put it all together this weekend, and decided we'll, we'll put it up there and uh, see if some if anybody's interested in it. Um, so you can go and find that. Um, it's at tfund.com backslash thunderhawkho, and uh, you can get it for 12 bucks. I try to keep the uh, price low. We have another store over on Zazzle, and uh, I know some of our friends have uh, Redbubble stores and such. And the prices just seem so high to me. They're up in the $20 range and stuff. So I thought this would be a fun way to maybe get these printed and, and keep a lower cost for uh, everyone. And then uh, it'll obviously benefit uh, our website and help us uh, maybe put some things in the old uh, giveaway bin for uh, the 30th anniversary coming up. So 
Hopefully you guys will uh, enjoy that design, and I've got some other ones actually I've I've got in mind that hopefully we'll get to in the coming months, and we'll uh, we'll keep shooting out some more T-shirts for you. So we've got our mask on, um, Mr. Wyatt. Are you ready to uh, to go to Africa? I'm ready to start the mask cast. We fade up on a flat-top snow-capped mountain, which we later learn that it turns out to be Mount Kilimanjaro, as we are being escorted into a research facility where the technicians are joking about their lunch while discussing a discovery of a rare blue algae. Found it near the summit where no other plants live. That's because it probably ate all the others. I heard it's almost as voracious as that snow leopard culture I've got. Warm it up a little, and it actually attacks nutrients and meat in the dish. The other poses an interesting idea in combining both cells. As they discuss, an explosion erupts from from a wall. They run down to their lab to discover that it has been destroyed, and oddly enough, that all of the wooden furniture has vanished, with only their hardware remaining. Good heavens! A metal handle from a drawer. Hey, what happened to the wooden desks and shelves? We better notify Malcolm. Yeah, I like the the effects. The it was nice and bright when the explosion occurred. Yes, thought that was really good at that point, and it was it was weird. I mean, seeing uh, we've descended on a mountain. I think the last two episodes as yeah, well. Yeah, this is becoming a routine. <laughs> I think we're all going to see mountain scenes. We get some nice, get a nice landscape mountain at the beginning of each episode, but um, I thought the beginning was really good, um, different. I mean, yes. if you uh, you know saw this, you wouldn't necessarily know it was mask just starting off. So it was uh, it was different. But after the scientists say they're going to notify Malcolm, which we assume is their uh, boss, we cut to uh, Tracker Mansion. Scott and T Bob are playing a cocktail-style arcade game, like the old Pac-Man, or uh, look more like Galaga or something right, like that. Right, it looked like. Pow! There goes your last fighter, T-Bob. Lucky shot! T-Bob, how come all my victories are lucky shots, while yours show the skilled hand of a master? And T-Bob explains that robots aren't subject to human error. Scott reminds him that he was programmed by him, and T-Bob groans that he must be programmed to lose <laughs> as they walk out of the room. Right. Now, this this ends a quandary because Scott even says, I built you. So right. that ends the whole question of who actually built or really like maintains him. I guess Buddy Hawks every now and then does something for T-Bob, but primarily Scott built him. Yeah, and I did note that in uh, – was thinking too that we've seen Alex several times as well, you know, installing stuff on T Bob and and uh, messing with him a little bit. So it's yeah, it does sound like Scott built him, and everybody there has kind of helped to maintain him right. uh, mainly. But I definitely noticed the the new animation though as they're walking out of the room. Uh, you know, I thought it was good. I I like the transition shot yes. of Scott moving towards what would be the camera and just basically zooming right in on his shirt as they exit the room as a transition to the next shot, which is uh, they are entering another room with Matt, and he's on the phone, 
and Alex is holding a globe, and Matt finds out that all the experiments at the research lab were destroyed. Every last one, and not just by the explosion. Something strange happened here. Now it's out there, causing terrible destruction. Matt, I'm responsible for this. You left me in charge of your lab, and just come at once before the authorities and the whole world learns about it. So Matt hangs up the phone and asks the trio if they want to go on a whirlwind trip to Africa. Alex says, jolly good, as he sits down the globe and the camera pans in right on Africa, uh, that he, on the globe that he was holding. I thought that was really good as well. Well, what I liked about this little moment here is he actually gets a brief pause to think before they actually, you know, he says, he says, hey, how would you like to go to Africa? I liked that. That gave it that little bit more of a humanity or not a mm-hmm. rushed episode. Like they seem to be just, you know, there's no, there's no really pause unless they, it seems like they're, they're not paying attention or something. Yeah. So I, I liked, understand. I liked that little quandary where he has to think about it for a couple seconds before he, hey, let's go to Africa. <laughs> so we're ushered back to Africa. We scan over the jungle and villages before meeting up with the tracker crew at their hut. Uh, I would say their hotel room, but I guess it's a step up. <laughs> more of a bungalow, I guess. Yeah, I say. probably more accurate. A curious Scott asks if they are going to the lab. A small pause as we look from the ceiling through the ceiling fan before Matt instructs that we are splitting up. I am going to the lab. You and T-Bob are going observing in the patrol territory around the hotel. Observing? Observing what? Whatever there is to be observed. Elephants, ostrich. I actually liked this angle, too. How they kind of looked down on the whole scene unfold. I I liked that above ceiling. Like, you would see, like, I would think in a modern day whether it's soap opera or perhaps a movie where you're looking down on the discussion. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of a out-of-focus shot at first, and then they kind of zoom in and, and focus in on the on the people there. But there was a small mistake, at I least saw. I noted, with that pause. And it looked like Matt was gesturing like he was talking, but there wasn't any audio. There was just that long pause in between. So... It kind of took me out of the moment there for a minute. Right, and I saw that. But Alex tries to joke about the matter with finding a new. <laughs> and I, I actually thought this was a very bad joke. One, it should be classified T-Bob jokes. Uh, yeah. And it makes T-Bob ponder on the joke. You might even see a new. A new? Oh, what's a new? Oh, not much. What's a new with you? <laughs> I say I haven't had a chance to use that joke in years. Just that was probably one of the worst parts yeah, of the show. I, I I wrote in rolling my eyes in that section. Uh, we haven't had one of your rolling the eyes moments lately. No, but that definitely was one. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at the ruins of the lab. Malcolm briefs them on the state of the lab. While Matt asks about the furniture, Alex comments that everything organic seems to be missing. Yes, something, some force, something quite large actually ate away the wood planks in the floor, then made its way there. What room's up ahead? It's the cafeteria for the technicians. Hmm, same story here. What's that? As Matt kicks down the technician's cafeteria door, he notices the anchovies 
and concludes that the thing doesn't have a taste for anchovies. And I can't say I blame it. So the observation results in Scott finding newts, which we finally find, and he wants to tell Alex that he did find them. Oh, no! Are you going to tell more news jokes? I wouldn't say anything like, is a new always new? Gee, the hotel's potato chips are sure salty. So don't eat them. They'll make you thirsty. T-Bob's just taking a few photos and turning back while Scott notes that there's a lake ahead where they'll really see animals. <laughs> and then we uh, cut over to our buddies at Venom. And uh, they're in, looks to be some kind of a hotel room or something. Uh, Dagger asks Sly what's wrong, and he says he doesn't like smuggling illegal ivory out of Africa. That's a surprise, it, I guess. It's interesting that he has a little bit, not much, but a little bit of morality right there. <laughs> right. Maybe he's just on edge a little bit, you know, in, in the midst of the operation or whatever. But Mayhem enters the room. He says to forget it. You want to throw away a fortune in ivory? Chicken feet. Peanuts compared to what I'm after. I've just been tipped off by a laboratory technician on Mount Kilimanjaro that there's something big on the loose up there. Something deadly eats everything alive. Rex, uh, of course, objects to this, saying he doesn't want to be the first to find out what it is. Uh, Mayhem tells him that once he controls it, it could be worth billions if they hold countries hostage under the threat of unleashing it. Right. So the plot drops pretty, uh, pretty early on this, as soon as we get to the Venom, basically. And but at least it's it clear-cut, not like it has been off oh, and yeah. on through, I'd say, the last four or five episodes, where you just... It's not real clear-cut. You figure out that he wants it, but there's no like monetary value or something. So Yeah, but I, w I thought it was interesting that it was almost like he had an inside man in the lab and how he got his information there. Right. So either that or he uh, beat it out of some poor technician. <laughs> Which is probably the case. It could have been. It could have been. But um, we cut to this awesome like slow descension of Thunderhawk now. Mm -hmm. And Alex comments that it's easy tracking the thing, as this trail is pretty large. Matt then says it seems to be getting bigger. Uh, there's another great overhead shot here looking down at Thunderhawk. And the uh, I thought the sound effects here were good, too. Yes. Thunderhawk comes to a screeching halt, a uh, landing. It looks like Matt almost slammed on the brakes there. There wasn't any wheel movement. No. Both are gasp as they see the destruction in front of them. Holy smoke! The thing must be on a rampage! How can we get through this? This tangle? No sweat. Mask! Spectrum laser on! Now, to me, this didn't make sense. Uh, this thing is supposedly, you know, eating all the vegetation and stuff, and they just mentioned how, you know, like wide the trail is or the right. destruction is. Uh, so why would a couple branches either bother them that you would need to, to destroy it, you know, to get it out of your way? Why not just, you know, you can go around the thing <laughs> with the with how wide the trail is. It wasn't exactly. Like, it wasn't pictured that it was necessarily blocking their way so it was almost like oh here's a couple of the thing left let me just zap them with my mask right. fun of it, you know? <laughs> so anyway i 
I really didn't like that part. But. No. So Thunderhawk uh, continues down the trail. Matt says they must be getting close with the trail being fresh and slick. Just as Alex chimes in that it's the color blue in a, and it's reflecting on uh, Thunderhawk, as you can see, they see this huge slime creature. Protoplasm. That's what it is. Blue protoplasm. In the explosion, the blue algae cells apparently combined with the snow leopard cells, creating a new life form. And Matt says it's time to call in the team. Which, did you see now, before we get into the, the call-up here, he appears to almost be glowing from the... He's glowing blue from the sun that's, like, shining through the creature. It was this weird... Blue hue, yeah. I noticed yeah. I noticed a little bit, but I didn't... I guess I didn't actually think of it as a blue hue. Uh, uh, I, I guess I just thought of it more of a as a glitch on the but, video. Oh, okay. But, I mean, you could tell he was he was a bit brighter, but he was in that blue color. And I think the shot before it, it showed the sun out there. And I, I don't know if it was beaming through the creature or what. But, I don't know. I like the way that they did that just to build up that little scene there. Right. As he, uh, you know, calls in the, the mask team. Right. Which I hear is another moment here just before they make the call up. You see that they watch it for just like a few seconds to kind of... I guess get in awe of what the size of this beast. Yeah. And that's when my Matt finally just says, Hey, uh, time to call on the team. Uh, he verbally goes down what he needs, uh, you know, a chemical or, or this creature. I can't, I, I apologize. I didn't jot down exactly what he said, but he, jots, he says, uh, uh, he needs the best team to combat a new life form in East Africa. And Alex is pre-selected. pre-selected. Right. So now we get the satellite link interface with mass computers, and we get new computer wording, recommended personnel, and we also get new sound effects for the computer, too. Uh, yes. I was a little uh, – we always comment we're a little perturbed when they start playing and messing with something that's been established. Oh, I, I – that part didn't bother me up until we uh, we get to who we called up here and – and, and the watch sound effect. Right. Well, we got Hondo and Night Stalker, and that's the extent of the team. But he, he is needed for his – he's an expert on African geography and a weapons expert. And then he just walks out of the classroom while he's writing probably the homework assignment or the lesson on the chalkboard. Yeah. and Really? You know, yeah. I, well, I think it's – I think that's happened before as well. It that has. same kind of scene where he's drawing on the board and – just gets up and leaves, and all the students are left there kind of with their mouths hanging open. But, yeah, it was a new uh, sound effect, again, for the watch, mm-hmm. which bugged the crap out of me. And I didn't like the music throughout. You know, it's usually that normal kind of mask theme that they use during the call-up. And uh, this time it was something different, and I really didn't like that either. It totally put me out of the moment. It must have only affected you because I didn't really pay much yeah, mind to I, it. Well, the watch is what really. Yeah, that me. did. I guess that just <laughs> hearing that other music too, kind of. And it's just like it, it just people. can't get anything established on that watch sound. It's like someone just does not like any sound anymore. <laughs> so they try something new, and 
Yeah. And of course, yeah. you know, they don't have the luxury of 30 years. You know, maybe yeah. they should have borrowed Marty's time machine. <laughs> but you don't have the luxury of us, you know, sitting here going, leave it alone. Yeah. No no DeLorean in the mask fleet. Darn. That should have. Well, you know, there was. There was. There was a commercial, and I just saw it actually replayed not too long ago, where they tried to imitate Thunderhawk. And what they did is they had a red DeLorean that had the gullwing door closed and it drove off. But it, you saw the back end of it. So if you didn't exactly, especially as a kid, if you didn't really pay attention, you didn't know that was DeLorean. You thought that was Thunderhawk. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, but, Interesting. you know, 30 years later, we're look, I'm looking at it going, are you really thinking we're that stupid? Well, we were that stupid because we didn't know it. But <laughs> we're just looking at the doors going up. That's all we care about. Yeah, it's a kid. Anyway, we got in a, we're going down a lot of rabbit trails today. Uh, why not? Why not? So back on the rabbit trail that we're supposed to be on in Africa, we come upon the duo as they arrive at the edge of the lake with Scott stating he's tired and looking for a water fountain. I told you those potato chips would make you thirsty. Well, there's a whole lake. You kidding? Drink that? Yeah. That's a salt lake. That water's saltier than my potato chips. Just as he makes that comment, the flock of birds all fly away. Scott concedes and suggests they head back, even states that he should have listened to T-Bob in the first place. Just as he takes a photo, he becomes very frightened. This is T-Bob, mind you, as we see that blue monster is right behind Scott. The monster inches closer as we hear the dramatic sound bed, and as they turn to run, we get our commercial break. Very dramatic going into the commercial. It was, and I, but I did like T. Bob's little flip out. Yeah, and he—I think he even said at one point, um, "This place is giving the willies." And I think I <laughs> remember saying to myself, "Is there a place on planet Earth that doesn't?" You know, <laughs> he's usually you know scared of pretty much anything. Yeah, he's, the, he's only safe at home. Scooby Doo, you know, of the show. Exactly. Scooby and Shaggy, but uh, yeah, so. What did you think so far uh, coming into the halfway point? Well, I actually like it. Uh, it's been a while since I've done it, and uh, I am I am on a endeavor to not do the point five ratings <laughs> this season. Okay. Uh, but right now, I, I see a few minor ticks, but I'm right at a five at the moment. Uh, the ticks that I saw, and you actually probably just hit on it. Uh, not too long ago, when when Thunderhawk landed, you noticed that he, it looked like he slammed the brakes and came to a hard stop. Mm-hmm. I saw it as a animation glitch that they were too lazy to animate the wheels. It could have been. It so I been. that's what I had a glitch on. The other glitch that I had was when um, the camera was looking down, and you noted this when Matt is sitting there motioning but not talking. Yeah. Otherwise, I love the animation. Uh, I'm loving the camera angles that they're playing with. Uh, it's a very compelling, still sci-fi, but this one I can buy. Still a good story right now. So uh, that's where I'm yeah. at. What about you? 
Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree. Uh, I didn't think it was really that much off the scale. I'm and I'm gonna keep doing the half points. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably around a four and a half. I I there wasn't much. I mentioned pretty much all the things that that kind of bugged me. Um, but it wasn't a couple things, and I mean, it, to start, it had that creeping terror episode type feel to it, you know, which, if you'll remember, wasn't one of my favorite episodes. But it really didn't bother me, I think, as much as it did uh, that episode when we initially reviewed it. So there was only a couple things I didn't like, and uh, I was really looking forward to part two, actually. So. And speaking of, uh, so we return back to Scott and T-Bob running from the slime. T-Bob tries to keep Scott away by holding him and extending his uh, go-go gadget arms uh, into the lake. Yeah, that doesn't make sense because he just stops abruptly. Like, it looks like, what, maybe another 10 feet? Yeah, right. right. But he's he's like, oh, I can't go any further. I'm just going to stretch out my arms and take it for the team. Well, and that's exactly what happened to him. Exactly. Uh, the slime closes in on T-Bob and engulfs him, but surprisingly it stops and turns away from Scott, who is waiting in the lake at this point. T-Bob! We saw what happened, Scott. Get into Thunderhawk. We'll get T-Bob out. With the slime still destroying the vegetation nearby, Matt runs up and uses a voice command to fire Spectrum lasers at it. Alex says it's doing no good and possibly even feeding off the uh, laser beams and growing uh, larger. Matt tells Alex to then fire Thunderhawk's wing cannons. And this time the lasers uh, penetrate the slime, creating this massive hole but then soon collapses and basically goes back to the way it was. And Alex kind of marvels at it at this point, that the slime's got this ability to regenerate. Right. Matt says it's growing stronger with every second. And uh, Scott says, T-Bob is a goner. (laughs) Poor T-Bob. But uh, again, there's a nice reflective shot here of the slime on Thunderhawk's windshield. Yes, I did see that. You know, there's other points during the episode where this is kind of bluish glow over everything. Speaking of Smurfs, uh, <laughs> <laughs> see why I chose that now. But um, this time, you know, they didn't do just the overall glow, and they they put it on the the, the windshield of the the car, and it had kind of a shot of the slime as well moving around. So that, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. But then suddenly we get mayhem flying in. Uh, and switchblade. Right. He bears on the scene making uh, the same discovery. I see it. It's a mountain of slimy blue protoplasm. It's eating everything in its path. Only we'd be dumb enough to go meet this thing. Quit squawking, Rex. We're lucky. We got the thing all to ourselves out here, so we just... That's what you think. Mask is here. He sees Alex flying around the blob using Jackrabbit. Miles comments that it's very large and instructs them to get on all sides of it before clearing out, which I find is kind of hilarious because there's only really three of them, and two of them are actually doing the work. <laughs> right. Miles is too busy uh, hovering over in Switchblade, supervising. He doesn't want to get his hands dirty. Oh, but no. 
Uh, Alex comments that he cannot find any weak spots above. Any other suggestions? Yes. I've got to get Thunderhawk out of the way. Alex, we'll meet you at the other end of this thing. The tail end, so to speak, eh? I'm almost there now. As they land, they see T-Bob being released from the clutches of this blob. T-Bob comments that he's sticky, but okay. Scott rushes up and attempts to hug him when Alex holds him back and mentions he's covered in the blue goo. T-Bob jokes that he hopes he gave it a tummy ache. Matt then (laughs) notices that the creature didn't eat T-Bob because he's metal and comments again that it only eats plant and organic life. It seems like it's perplexing him that even though it's right there in front of him it's just that it perplexes Matt it's only eating organics if only he lived in the now organic (laughs) food oh Uh, Scott then ponders why the blob didn't eat his potato chips this intrigues them as Matt says it doesn't like chips or anchovies as Matt asks the question Alex interjects the answer saying it has an aversion to salt well, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. Everybody knows that salt dries up protoplasm. I mean, that's right? just common knowledge. <laughs> um, going back a, a minute here, uh, I had a couple ticks, um, mainly with Thunderhawk, and it's landing and taking off. As they're going to the tail end of the, the blob, it lands pretty abruptly, and then as they get back in... And, uh, and take off in the sky, it it's almost helicopter-like yeah. in how it takes off almost instantly mm-hmm. and then and lands so abruptly like it, well, like we noticed before. I mean, the first time we saw it when it landed and the wheels were almost locked up, there was at least uh, like a dust trail behind it or whatever. So, you know, it was more or less in motion. I pictured Thunderhawk... As it's taking off, it needs some space, like we've seen before in many shots, where it goes for a, a long run on the ground and then hits the sky. Right. Is, this time, it was just up and down really quick. So that right. kind of bugged me as I'm watching it. That's but. one of my major ticks throughout the pretty much the latter half of this episode. Is uh, and I'll make comment of it later, but basically, it, it it's too helicopter like. Yeah. Thunderhawk is, to my knowledge, a jet. So, unless he's a Harrier jet, which I'm not aware of, uh, he needs a runway. Well, he did do that uh, tail end landing. Uh, that is true. <laughs> so he knows he likes to uh, toy around with its capabilities, at least. So anyway, um, so after we uh, determine that the uh, protoplasm, the, the the blue slime, is doesn't like salt, uh, we head back over to Venom, and Mayhem tells Rax and Dagger that Mask can't see them, and it's time to collect these samples. They're trying to get a sample of this slime to basically examine and, and recreate or whatever before Mask can destroy it. We're right back over to Mask with T-Bob dressed now in bulrush leaves, making him feel like a hula dancer, he That's says. Right. Matt says this is the only way the slime will ingest him again. Well, how does he know? Exactly. I mean, ate him before. <laughs> so I don't. 
I don't know. Okay. Um, so they used this long cable tied to T-Bob. And this time Thunderhawk flies basically straight up in the air mm -hmm. with T-Bob dangling below on this cable. Uh, and they attempt to basically feed him right back into the, the slime. Back to Venom, Rax and Dagger approach the slime with these glass jars. And then we're right back to Mask. Matt yells at T-Bob not to extend his arms and legs until he reaches the bottom of this creature. We're right back over to Venom again. Mayhem sees T-Bob and Thunderhawk through his binoculars again. Those fools! They're trying to destroy my blue pet! If I don't stop them, they may destroy it before Axe and Dagger get samples! He pushes a couple buttons to lower the Viper mask, and then Switchblade converts into jet mode. I like this right here, because it was specific. Two buttons. So one, I I would assume, drops that mask. The second changes switchblade. So I I liked that little animation there. That little, to me, it's it's interesting to see when TV shows animation add that little detail. That detail, but more to me, it's like an instructional detail. You finally learn a little bit about switchblade. Though it's a cartoon, they're pushing buttons. I mean, it's just like Knight Rider. You push a couple buttons and you make you think he's turbo boosting or whatever. I like that type of thing. You kind of learn something about the, the vehicle. So anyway, while Alex and Matt work on getting T-Bob lowered, they notice Switchblade. Verbal commands for the master are issued while they dodge a missile from Switchblade. Scott looks on, noticing and naming Switchblade, which I didn't know that he knew it, but he's been probably hanging around Matt so much in the briefing rooms. Anyway, missing a missile blast, he notices a fawn in the path of the blob. Oh no! That thing's moving straight for that fawn! Honda! Then, we see the cavalry arrive, which happens to be Nightstalker and Hondo. They arrive on the scene with Hondo transforming Nightstalker... And then he starts... Which was cool. Yes, it was very cool. We got to see how it transforms. I realize... I guess we got to see some of it. But it's, we're kind of in action with it now. Right. So we get to see it, the, and he's in the, in the turret blaster, I'll call it, and he's shooting at uh, Switchblade. Matt engages the battle with his wing cannons. We come back to T-Bob as he comments... What a way to see Africa! Guess that's the bottom. Well... Here goes the old telescope trick. Now I radio my signal. Here's a mistake, and I noticed what they said. He said, before you extend your hands and arms, but when he gets down to the bottom, T-Bop actually extends what looks like grappling hooks of some sort. Yeah, I called them pitons. That um, there's several doors that opens up on him. This is very R two D two like, I guess. But uh, yeah, he fires those out uh, from I guess four different positions from his body. Right, but nonetheless, that's basically the hook or the grab, the spatula, if you will, for it to grab <laughs> to pull this monstrous blob up off the sky. Alex begins to reel him in while the mask and venom battles continue. 
Hondo shoots Switchblade's wing, and we are then switched back to Scott, comforting the fawn as Matt attempts to hoist this blob over Scott and the fawn. Let's hope all that weight doesn't snap the cable. If it does, there's no stopping that thing. And this is, to me, perhaps there is a motion, like a forward motion, but here, just like he's just powering it straight up. Yeah. That gets me. And I didn't, well, of course, I didn't understand how these grappling hooks or pitons, whatever you want to call them, how it's holding the slime in the first place. True. You know, obviously it's moving and stuff, and it's more of a, I would think it's more of a liquid than it is anything. So how's that? And then when he, it's a nice shot of the creature being lifted directly overhead of Scott as it's basically approaching him. But I was like, okay, uh, you got to watch out for like droplets. Exactly. <laughs> He's because the stuff is deadly. You don't want it to touch you. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, where's my? I need an umbrella or something. <laughs> kind of like the uh, the scene in uh, right near the beginning of uh, Men in Black. Oh, oh, you got yeah. some entrails there on you. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so we get uh, Hondo. He's still engaged at uh, Switchblade. This time he manages to hit the other wing, sending it plummeting towards the ground in a trail of smoke. He's doing far better in in, uh, Night Stalker than he was in uh, (laughs) In Firecracker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scott, he releases the fawn back into the wild as Matt and Alex now see uh, Rax and Dagger below. And he figures it all out that they're trying to take samples. Hondo, forget mayhem. Get Rax and Dagger. They're as good as God. He, He drives underneath the slime as it's hoisted up in the air, to begin firing at Rax and Dagger. After a couple nearby shots, the two Venom agents run back into the woods. Thunderhawk flies the slime over the lake, and then Matt instructs to detach the cable to drop the slime in the lake, and now we see the slime plummeting into the water, but its tail end was still on the ground, so it was like Thunderhawk propped up the maybe the front half of it, right. and dragged it, essentially, into the lake. But the uh, slime appears to almost turn into stone as it touches the lake and it disintegrates uh, into the water. Okay, let her go! He looks on from the woods now, and he runs back to Switchblade, which is in helicopter mode. He takes off and converts it back into jet mode, saying that Mask will be in for a surprise, meaning that they got the samples of the thing. Now, this was a huge markdown for me, because we just witnessed Hondo shooting this jet down. Yep. 
and I could see, you know, I was picturing it, okay, he's going to convert it back to helicopter to save the thing from going down. But here he is, you know, <laughs> converting it back into jet mode and taking off. Exactly. Like, you got it wrong. You got the details wrong on that part. But uh, uh, Matt C. Switchblade uh, from the distance and says that Thunderhawk is almost out of fuel. Now, this was good, you know. This is basically coming up with an excuse for not pursuing them at this point. But... This is the first time we've essentially used this excuse, so I was like, okay, so he's getting low on fuel. However, he manages to shoot this disc from the, uh, I guess you'd call it the undercarriage gun that we've seen mm -hmm. from time to time on Thunderhawk, and it sticks, I guess magnetically, to the underside of Switchblade, and then Matt says, oh, it's a bugging device, which will help them to lead him to mayhem later. And then we get Scott running back, to the the side of the lake at this point. Right, he's, you know, just real solemnly just says, T-Bob. Then all of a sudden, he comes out of the water using his extendo arms. What? You did it, T-Bob! Yeah, I did, didn't I? Rax and Dagger got away. Then they got the blue slime! Because of me. No, it had nothing to do with you, T-Bob. Rax, Tiger! The bugging device! Then they are interrupted by the sounds of the bugging device. Maz asks if his team got any of the samples. Mask listens intently while Rax replies that they got none. Afraid of getting any of that stuff on my hand. Didn't want to spend the rest of my life being called lefty. Besides, I figured Dagger got enough. Yeah, that, that sounds like Rax to me. Yeah, and Dagger then comments, thinking he was getting the sample. So they're basically pointing the finger at each other. So then a very cleanly spoken but cursing from Miles ensues from his frustration. Mask laughs it off, and we are faded into the PSA. Now, before we get into that, I did want to notice, uh, did want to point out something good here, and that was... Uh, good on Scott for when T-Bob essentially blames himself for letting them get the sample of the creature, Scott says it had nothing to do with him. And I was like, well, good, because he, you know, he usually blames T-Bob for everything, you know, complaining when right. he was beating him at that video game at the beginning of the episode. You know? So I was glad that he let T-Bob off the hook. Right. You know? Did the right thing. Exactly. But, yeah. So we're now into our uh, our PSA, and uh, we are back at, I don't know if it was at the same lake there in Africa, or I, I was assuming it was a different lake, but uh, Scott says he wants to go out for a swim to the raft in the middle of the lake. Okay, just remember it starts getting deep once you pass it. Take me too, in case there's trouble. Good idea, guys. Stick with the buddy system. And then T-Bob ends with saying everybody should have a buddy, even Buddy Hawk. <laughs> as they go out towards the middle of the lake and we fade out. Right. So we are at the end, and uh, I'm going to kick it over to you. What did you give this episode? Well, I could say stay at a solid four. Um, it was a very good story, very good plot. Like I mentioned, it's a little far-fetched, but still plausible, I guess, in the mask realm. Uh, enjoy what seemed to be natural pauses in the story with Matt thinking about 
what to do next after talking with Malcolm initially. I liked the animation and the way uh, it panned around. Uh, I liked how we got to see from kind of looking down from above in that hut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked that. The use of T-Bob was actually very good. I agree. As well, along with the battle with Thunderhawk, Nightstalker, and Switchblade, that was a good battle. It's good to see the battles coming again. And we got to see some mask use, not a great amount, but it was still better than what we've been seeing. We haven't seen a lot of mask use lately. And it was good to see uh, mm. Spectrum and Jackrabbit being yeah, used we again. Yeah, we didn't get any on the Venom side, though, on this side. No, but you know, beggars can't be choosers, I guess. <laughs> Uh, the use of salt to get rid of the deadly blue slime, plausible. I mean, everybody knows, like we said. Miles pushing the two buttons, that was a good thing to see. You know, it drops the mask and switches it to jet mode. Very awesome job there, very enjoyable. My markdowns, you identified one, uh, and that's where Switchblade basically resurrects itself uh, after being shot down in jet mode, and then he Pops it back into jet mode again. I would think that jet mode is malfunctioning right now. Please stand by. Um, <laughs> that's not what I would think. But who knows? It, it just, I didn't like that. We talked about basically the rims, the wheels uh, not turning. You thought it was more of a hit the brakes type of landing. which is That first time. Yeah, yeah. But, which is very possible. I didn't think it that way, but I like your idea better. Yours is less negative. <laughs> um, <laughs> Again, that was the first in- instance, right. not for the others. Um, the new watch sounds, the new computer sounds, the new computer recommended personnel. Uh, yeah. Uh, then my final hookup problem, probably the two bigger dings that I gave it were Switchblade coming back to life in jet mode when it shouldn't have functioned, in my mind, and then Thunderhawk covering like a helicopter. I just, I guess I think I think of it as a plain old jet. You need a runway to take off and land. Yeah. But this is not the first time it's done this vertical thing. And I'm not talking about the bumper landing that it did here in the last episode. What I'm thinking about is where he's. I think it's the Panda Power episode where he just yes. boom takes off with the box underneath. Yep. Are you serious? So, uh, I just that's what really drop this down to a solid four. I I didn't think it was bad enough to hit it any lower, but it wasn't a five. How about you? I was around that, uh, around what you uh, rated it. I actually went three. What I saw was, I mean, the animation was great. I mean, building on the previous quality from the Lost Bridges of Rio episode, um, I thought it was still up to that par. There seems to be more like full body movements mm-hmm. that they've put in there as opposed to just getting like an upper half of somebody walking or whatever. We're getting some other creative movements. And there was some good imaginative shots, you know, using the reflection on the windshield, that transition of, you know, Scott practically walking into the camera at the beginning while they're at the mansion. I thought those were great and very creative. Again, like you said, I liked that uh, T-Bob was in on the actual plan again right. to help defeat Venom. Uh, it gives him and Scott more of a purpose to be in the episode other than just the humor or just the sightseeing or whatever you know that they usually 
uh, are there for. That's exactly it. Whatever they're there for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically peripheral from the actual mission or whatever. But I don't know. It's fun to see them involved in the mission too and uh, getting to help in a unharmful way right. sometimes. And again, I liked how they kept uh, basically Scott's perspective in the middle of the plot. At the end where they're going back and forth between the scenes of Thunderhawk trying to rescue Scott and then uh, battling Venom and then lowering T-Bop. I mean, there's there's some really good back and forth there that yes. I didn't feel was choppy. Sometimes they do that and it's real choppy, but it seemed to flow very well. They do a little bit with Venom and a little bit with Mask and kept the story moving. So the uh, the timing was really well paced uh, during this episode. Yes, I agree. Again, I didn't like the obstacle trick. We're getting on the bad stuff here. Didn't like the obstacle trick in the middle of the road after they had just set up that this was a huge trail and they have to stop and zap one stick with a laser. Right. <laughs> you know, it just it didn't make sense to me. And uh, those helicopter-like takeoffs and movements. There was one point where Thunderhawk, the first time he's up there and he's got T-Bob on the cable and Mayhem shoots that first missile and he moves to the left or right or whatever Almost like a, I don't know. It was almost like he was on a string attached to the ground, mm-hmm. and he just, I'm gonna move over here, move over here, you know, like a Harrier jet, basically, or whatever. And I'm like you, I don't see it as a, as a Harrier. I, I see it as a normal takeoff and land, and I need a runway kind of aircraft. Right. So that just bugged me. What really bugged me too is. Everything seemed to have the same sound effects. Uh, I don't mind, you know, the actual sound itself, but you had the same sound for, like, Switchblade converting in that one sequence to T-Bob shooting those pitons out from his body there while he's in this creature. And then even Thunderhawk's, like, takeoffs and uh, the laser fire, the slime drying up. It all seemed to have that high-pitched kind of laser sound effect. And, I don't know, I just got sick of hearing that noise. Oh. <laughs> yeah, maybe you didn't catch it as much as no, I did. No, I didn't. But it just seemed like every single thing that they did had that same noise. And it it just wore on me as the episode went on. I'm like, can you play something else in there? I don't care what it is. Right. <laughs> play a cricket or something. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> just don't want to hear that laser noise again. It kind of bugged me that the reason for choosing Hondo was first for his knowledge of Africa and the geography or whatever. Well, he showed up basically too late in the episode exactly. to take advantage of that. You know, the computer did mention that I think he was they needed his weapons capabilities or something too, which obviously came into play. Right. Shot down Switchblade at that one point, but they didn't really use his you know knowledge of uh, the area. It just came in too late, and we really didn't see how he, you know, got there or anything. We assumed the plane came, dropped him off or whatever. Right. But and then, of course, I mentioned I didn't like that Mayhem was able to convert Switchblade back to jet mode after Hondo shot it down. I thought that really bugged me as well. Uh, just a few other little ticks that stuck out. I didn't like the couple scenes with the people eating food. That the technician and then later with Scott. They're just there wasn't much chomping sounds, and it didn't seem to affect the characters' voices. You know, if you're chewing on something, or you know, you're very true, very noise. true. And 
it was just like they were talking normally. I'm like, did they just swallow that potato chip whole? Or <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was, like I said, this is these are dicks. And then there's at times I felt the slime wasn't depicted big enough. You know, especially the size that they were describing, and with venom at one end, and they couldn't see you know what was going on at the other end. And you know, it could have been just the ends of this creature were tailed off and were smaller, but I don't know. It felt inconsistent, especially with them saying it was growing as well. I don't know. There were some shots, you know, with that one where it's kind of coming after Scott and T-Bob at the break that right. it was fine, but I don't know. Later on, it, a couple of times it just bugged me the size of it. And then I just had a hard time telling whether Thunderhawk had snared just the front half of this slime and was dragging it, or if he got the whole thing to, you know, hover, basically, above the ground to drop it in. And what bothered me about that was, if the if it was the whole thing, you know, hovering, then how then Rax and Dagger were going to get the samples if he already had it up there, exactly. you know, out of reach. But we learned later that he was actually dragging part of it, at least. So that was just some ticks I also had in there that, I don't know, I, I felt like it dropped down to the middle more than... Wasn't good, wasn't bad, it was just kind of, okay, this was good, there was some good stuff in there, but there's also some kind of major details to me that they've established that they just seem to be screwing up again, right. so I was in the middle on this one, but um, did you see any similarities to our script or anything pop out at you? The only thing that I saw was that uh, basically the, the now conclusive evidence that Scott builds T-Bob, and that's what we have in our script is Scott builds T-Bob and introduces him actually to Matt and Alex Alex mm -hmm. and Gloria. No, just Matt and Alex. I think it's Matt and Alex uh, at uh, Matt's office. Right, as they're talking about uh, what were they talking about? Oh, they're talking about uh, finding a, the, the Boulder Hill, a gas station someplace to right. set up HQ. Some of these scenes I can picture in my head. I guess the ones that I can picture more is the ones I remember, but I do remember that scene, and I think they're actually talking a little bit about the Spectrum mask as well, and then the location for the headquarters. Right, and then uh, Scott and does then a Scott, demo with with uh, T-Bob. Basically surprising, yeah, interrupting their meeting and taking T-Bob around for a spin there in the conference room. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so that was good. I didn't... I didn't see anything nothing really stuck out to me so i'm glad you pulled that out because i do remember that scene from the from the script so well let's go on to the poll we got uh eight votes looks like they were right around our area yeah we had uh 38 voting for four 38 voting for three and we had uh, one vote for a five and one vote for a two and then we had one review this week from our buddy Anna. Right. This is possibly my least favorite episode in the entire series. Wow. Yeah, really. She always thinks they're all great. Uh, <laughs> Venom isn't even in it in the first place. They just throw them in at the end because they have to, since it's a mask episode. The animation is also poor. Another thing I noticed is that the episode doesn't contain any women. Maybe they could have compensated for not using any female agents, but making one of the scientists a woman. That's actually a good thought. I actually wondered what happened to uh, the women for the episode. Usually, 
it's actually one or the other. Very rarely is it ever the both, unless they do some like a more of a bigger episode battle or something like that. But uh, it's a good note. I always wonder because they still use Sharon Noble. She is there for the computer voice. So I don't understand why they don't pull her out and use her to her you know potential, at least with one of the characters. Yeah, and I, she has voiced, uh, like she was mentioning, uh, there's been some episodes where there's a, a lady on the scene. Uh, one that comes to mind is where Rax is the wind god, and I think that was the, I uh, can't remember the name of that episode, but there's a woman reporter at the scene there. Oh, yes. Uh, the very first episode, the Death Stone, is that uh, the lady, the scientist... I believe that's on the scene, or maybe she was a reporter as well, uh, where she's filming the the uh, UFO at the beginning, you know, and she ends up getting in with the story. And uh, there was another episode where I think I think it was Cold Fever, where there's a, a female uh, uh, doctor at the uh, facility there where where Bruce is held up. So I mean, they have used them. It's a good point that. Um, because whenever I, you know, put the blog post together for these episodes, I I put down the agents. I'm like, oh, Vanessa's not in this one, and I didn't even think about well, Gloria's not there either, and there's wasn't any other females in there. So that was a that was a good point. And uh, I, you know, I thought about what she said here, and not having Venom being the the focal point at the beginning. And I I don't know. I thought it was okay, and. It was different than what they they normally do, not starting out with you know venom right on the scene or whatever. And I'm I usually mark down the ones where they're more running interference, so to speak, and they're not essentially behind the plot. And this was more of that episode where they're they learn about what's going on and they try to take advantage of the situation. And them and Mask evidently meet up, both trying to. You know, either move the situation towards the good side or the bad side. One of the episodes, you know, we talked about that that happened was uh, Secret of the Andes, where they just happened to see a news report about that, about Tupac, who is, you know, woken up and uh, knows the location to the lost city of gold. So I, I typically mark those down, but I didn't mind it too much this episode for some reason. No, it didn't uh, seem. But even though I was in the middle, I wasn't totally trashing it for for taking a little step out away from Venom at the beginning. Right. But anyway, um, well, that will do it for our our feedback for this episode. Again, if you want to interact with us before we record, please go to our agentsofmass.com website, and in the right-hand column will be a link, if you don't see it on the, amongst the homepage there, to the episode that's going on and the poll and everything. We really like hearing from everybody and uh, leaving reviews and, and voting and it helps, uh, it makes the podcast a lot more interesting when you know what people think compared to just what you know we have going back and forth. So we invite everybody to do that. And uh, coming up in our next review, we'll be looking at episode number 32, Currency Conspiracy which features Mask in Switzerland trying to stop Venom from using an organism that dissolves ink from printed money, rendering the bills worthless. Hmm. So, And I also forgot to give a, 
a, a bit of a preview of this these stretch of episodes from 31 to 40. And uh, just looking ahead real quickly in, in the plots and everything, it will be overseas almost for all of them except for uh, number 40, which is set in San Francisco. So cool. we'll be uh, we'll be international through most of these. We had a I think we had a pretty good mix in this last batch. Yes. I can't exactly remember how many were in the states and how many were abroad, but uh, we're going to be abroad for quite a while. And uh, there's actually uh, a good mix of kind of practical episodes versus the mystical, where they're going after a mystical object or something, and they're just Venom's trying to get some money or whatever, or hold the country hostage or, you know, those more where Venom comes up with a plan rather than trying to go after something to, you know, to give them the, the advantage or whatever over mask. But I've earmarked a couple episodes. I'm not sure if you even looked ahead, but no. there's a couple of them that could be really good. And I'm really looking forward to one actually gives some insight into Matt's father Ooh. and maybe some details behind the origin of mask, believe it or not. So it, it just happened to be I was uh, scanning through uh, an episode to find where the the episode was set because it wasn't in the. I go to Wikipedia to look at the list of episodes and the plots that are on there and didn't say about where it was set. And I got this whole little section of Matt talking about his father, and I was like, "Whoa, this is cool!" So. I'm looking forward to that episode. I think that might be really good yeah. and give us some insight that we've been wanting for <laughs> basically since the beginning. Right. So, but uh, that's uh, that'll about do it. I'm I'm really looking forward to the stretch of episodes, and you know, like we said in the the previous one, um, we're hoping to get some special episodes in there as well, and looking forward to cranking out some uh, podcasts over 2015. Yes, and I'm really excited. I, I want to actually look ahead. I haven't had the time like you have to to see what's there, but I, I like the surprise. I guess I want to I want to be amazed or <laughs> or yeah. disappointed, whatever the case may be, on the episode. <laughs> well, and I try to do that because I, I do like digging through episodes and finding, you know, like those those sections where I can do a panoramic view and 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 set those out there for the fans but at the same time i'm trying to keep the episode going past me at a high speed so i'm not trying to pick up on what's going on necessarily but right picking up that little tidbit of maybe you know how mask essentially was created by matt and and the inspiration behind it was uh i thought that was really good there's also another one coming up I don't know if it's in this section or maybe the next. I think it might be the section where Miles actually learns the identity of Matt, and that mm. comes into play in the story. So I'm I'm looking forward to that one as well. I can't remember exactly which one uh, it was, but as I was scrolling through again one day, uh, an episode, looking for little points to to pull out and shots, uh, I I saw that and I was like, whoa. <laughs> So that would put another whole, you know, you know, spin on the story that we've said from the beginning. You know, there's it seems to be episodes where they identify each other more, and where there's episodes where it's a total it's supposed to be a total secret. You know, right. so uh, right. it'll be interesting you know, if it lasts or if it's just for that episode. 
Right, it is very interesting, and I, you know, I wish someone would just make a movie about this. You know, I'm just spitballing <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we just is a script collecting dust anywhere, you know. No, you know, I, I think I saw one somewhere. I'm, I'm vaguely. <laughs> anyway, so as you can see, we're uh, going down memory lane, and you know, like Jason and I said, we've we've have a. Uh, Ripped ready for you, Hasbro, anytime you'd like it. Oh, should I do some free advertising? <laughs> Why not? Uh, nonetheless, you know, MassCast, we have a blast. Uh, we've mentioned it quite often, but we really have a great great time. I wanted to invite our listeners uh, and even our uh, static fans there on uh, the Facebook page and website. You know, we invite you to listen and, and interact with us as best you can. Uh, by voting, mention something in the comments. Uh, even if the episode sucks, you know, we've had similar ones not too long ago. So, you know, it, it, this is fun. And, and it, we're just going down memory lane for us. It, this was something that we grew up with. I'm sure you grew up with as a listener. But like like we've said, you know, Jason and I love this. This is uh, just a hobby for us. We, we enjoy it. And uh, until next time, we wish you the best, and thank you for listening to MouseCast. MouseCast. Oh, of all the plastic bungling blithering!